0: Oh, uh, so good to be in the house of the Lord. So good to be with family. Yeah. And this is what family is. And so we're grateful to be with you today. So we're going to bring this message together. And, you know, if you didn't know, Jill and I are really a package deal when it comes to our church and uh, our ministry. That's sort of how it goes. And if anything, if I'm really honest, uh, she's my secret weapon, she's the real firepower. In all this whole situation, so um, so yeah. You know, when I feel like the preaching level needs to go up a little bit, I just get her on stage, oh and <laughs> uh, you know, inaccurate. Just, just a little <laughs> add a little freshness to what's happening. Just get Jill up on stage, and she takes care of it. You look beautiful. It's a tonight. lot of
1: pressure on me right now.
0: <laughs> hey, I thought you led worship really well this morning. Thank you. It's fantastic. I got a few. I got a few thoughts. Later, we'll just talk. We'll talk about a few things. See, this is true.
1: True fact. I we get in the car every Sunday and I ask him what I could do better.
0: No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on
1: his truth telling. Uh, I do, and he tells me things that help.
0: She is my greatest encourager. I will say that, and um, and I, I think a really sweet moment. And I think the. Uh, if you're married in here today, the greatest encouraging voice in your life needs to be your spouse. Needs to be your spouse. And if, and if that's not the case, then um, can I just encourage you? If, if you're feeling like you don't have any encouragement, the best thing you can do is give encouragement and be the type of person that says, no, I'm going to start investing. Um, but one of the things that I love the most is when I step off the stage on a Sunday, the first encouraging voice is always Jill. And she always tells me I did great, even if I didn't, she tells me. And um, no, but it's amazing, so here we are. are you ready for the word? Um, just before we jump into Philippians chapter two, which is where we're gonna be today, um, we're continuing this series. We're in the lead up to Heart for the House, which is on October 20, and I'm um, really excited about that. But what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna take this series, The Future Never Looks So Good, to um, a different level. We've never sort of really done it like this before. But we're gonna do, um, we're calling it, 14 days of prayer and fasting—a journey we're going to take from this coming Saturday. And um, do you want to just talk a little bit about what it's going to look like each day and everything?
1: Yep. So um, you're not like locked into a clause if you decide you're going to do it. But it's prayer and fasting is when you're believing for something is is a is a powerful tool that God's given us um, to really lay something down and then wait for God to respond. Um, and there's it's always There's always sacrifice tied into answers from heaven, right? Like there's, it's good to lay something down and let God respond. And um, the purpose of fasting is that you choose something that you're going to go, I'm not going to touch this thing. I'm not, I'm going to lay this thing aside for this period of time. And every time I think about that thing, it's going to remind me to pray for that thing I'm believing for. So we're praying that God would do all the things we talked about on Vision Sunday, if you need to go back and kind of rewatch what's happening there. Um, But also there's things in your own life that I'm sure you're believing for that you can tie into this. But the way we're going to unify as a church during those 14 days is on Instagram. So if you don't have an Instagram, either have somebody text you the link to the Instagram so you can see it or, you know, get an Instagram. Um, But we're going to have it on Instagram prompts for each day of things we're praying for and believing for as a church. Um, so during that 14 days, you'll just want to make sure you're kind of tuned into what's happening there or getting information from somebody who is on Instagram. Um, and it's going to be amazing. I'm actually just so excited to see what God does with us as a house and as a church um, as we do this together. It's going to be powerful. I'm telling you, there's, there is, it's, there's not another option because it is powerful when we pray and fast and believe. Um, we will hear from heaven and it will be beyond what we could have imagined that it would be. So that's kind of what it looks like.
0: So we're really leaning into this, uh, this Heart for the House season where we're going to re- give sacrificially towards those vision um, initiatives, those vision um, things that God has really put on the inside of us to really believe Him for, and um, it's really going to be great. So look out for that. All right, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Um, if you've been following this series, uh, last week I preached a message called The Future Never Looks So Good For Our World. And um, it's really based out of Philippians 1.6, which really talks about how the future has never looked so good. Because of Jesus, because of the work that he's begun in your life, he's going to carry it on, he's going to complete it, he's going to bless it, he's going to make it incredible. Uh, Which means that no matter which way you choose to look at the future, it looks great and it looks amazing. And your future is bright in Jesus. Amen? So in Philippians 2, we're going to look at at this passage, just sort of progressing along. But I'm going to read from verse 1, it says this. Paul's, this is Paul's happiest letter, and he's speaking to the church in Philippi. He says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count, each, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by, being, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, highly exalt, has highly therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to gl- to the glory of God the Father. So the title of the message this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, you can write this down. The title is this, The Future Never Looks So Good for Our Relationships. The future has never looked so good for our relationships. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the power of your word. Father, thank you that it's got the ability to change our lives as we read it, as we take it in. God, thank you for, for Jesus this morning, who is the word. Lord, thank you that We can move forward looking through that lens, knowing that because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross and through the power of the resurrection that now lives in us, Lord, we thank you that we can move forward knowing that everything that is ahead um, with you, Lord, is just so good. So, Lord, we're grateful for that. We pray for an amazing morning in your house, Lord. We pray for colonial kids. We love the kids so much. Thank you that you're building their lives right now in Jesus' name. We all said together, Amen. Amen.
1: All right, so it's, it's a little tricky when we start talking about relationships because everybody's context is different for relationships. So when you hear the future never looks so good for our relationships, you might immediately be like, you're joking. Like, I, my relationships are not good right now. I've never had a good experience with a relationship. Or maybe you're just you're in a really hard season in relationships in your world. And this is not tied to just marriage. This is, this is every, every aspect of life. So it doesn't matter what season you're in in this morning in this room, God has something for you to teach you about relationships, to help you. And the reason that we know that the future has never looked so good for our relationships is because God gave us relationships to make the future better. He gave them to us, and the purpose of relationship was for the future to actually be better. It was His idea. So we know that the futures never look so good for our relationships because God gives us relationships to increase the health of our future. And the reason I know that is because in Genesis, we all know the story of what happened. It says in Genesis two eighteen, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him, him a helper fit for him. And then came Eve, born of his body. So God made the entire earth and he looked down at man who didn't have another person there. He, he had God. He was one with God. He was walking with God in the garden. It wasn't like he didn't have this relationship. So you can't tell me that, oh, I have a relationship with God, and that's good. I'm just going to hang out with him, and all y'all can just, bye. <laughs> it's nice to think sometimes, but God saw that. And he said, it's not, that's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be isolated. So I'm going to make him a helper. That's good. And I'm telling you right now that God has put somebody in your world that is there to be a helper or that person is coming and if you're thinking about marriage and on the road to that, there are other people in your world that God will bring alongside of you as helpers because his idea was relationships. Awesome. So good. It's not good for you to be alone. So that's how we know that the future never looks so good for our relationships. But the trick is we do relationships the way that God intended us to do relationships. We let the relationships, the healthy relationship that that God is developing in our world, and maybe he's kind of taking you back to ground zero again, and he's like, all right, we're going to start from here because what you've built so far, you're you're built on the foundation that I've given you, but the things you built on top of that, they're a little shaky. I don't know where you've been getting those bricks from, but They're not the ones I intended for your life. And you need to kind of like scrape back down and start again. Same relationship. I'm not saying ditch people. If you're married, don't ditch the person that you're married to. Looking for a better relationship. That's not what we're saying here. I'm saying sometimes you just got to go, all right, let's wipe the slate clean. And let's begin to build again the way that God intended us to build healthy relationships. Because healthy relationships can frame your world just the same way that unhealthy relationships can frame your okay. world. Um, so relationships are going to be complicated. They're not always going to be easy, but they can be incredible if you're willing to stick at it and work at it. The richer they are, the more work they've taken, right? The deeper they are, the richer they are, the more invested you are. That means time. That means forgiveness. That means like forget, forgetting the wounds sometimes. And, and can we just also be clear at the start? We're not talking about abusive relationships here. That's another conversation. And if you're in an abusive relationship, that's a conversation you need to be having with somebody that can help you. I'm talking about just generally relationships. We're going to talk this morning about how you have a healthy relationship with somebody in your world that God's intended for, to be a helper for you. So write this down. All great relationships are built on intentionality. So, this morning, we're going to start to be intentional about just a couple of things that we think will really help you as you step out of this room this morning with a new view, maybe a new hope, or maybe just a new excitement about healthy relationships.
0: That's so good. I told you the preaching would go up, right? <laughs> it's so true. There's no such thing as a, a great relationship that just happens by chance. And, you know, I think God puts people in our world, but. Great relationships are always built on that foundation of intentionality, of us actually being intentional and wanting to build something that is incredible. And so I love that. So what we want to do this morning was give, give you two relationship killers and two relationship builders. You up for that? You ready? All right. The first relationship killer, we're going to give you the relationship killer, but then also what we believe is the relationship builder. The first relationship killer this morning is disconnected connection. If you think about relationships, this is a big one, Uh, just a thought we wrote down, but disconnected connection, which is, you know, in a sense, breathing the same oxygen, but not being connected with each other in a relationship. And I think this this applies not just in marriage or some of those relationships, but even in just other relationships, friendships, people in our world, uh, people maybe you work with that are in a an environment where you just have to, you have to be in a relationship with this person all the time. There is tension. There is there is a, uh, a need to connect with that person. But disconnected connection uh, is so important to, to think about but also understand because it's causing, in this day and age, the world that we live in today, a new form of isolation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you guys, I mean, it's easy to link this to smartphones, obviously. Um, but... In the same way, it's really easy to shut down and build walls because you're wounded in the past and experience disconnected connection where you're like there, but you're not really there. You know, you're like letting somebody see a little bit of you, but because of fear or whatever it is that, that is that wall that's been built up, they're not really connecting with you. Um, but if we're going to specifically go to smartphones, which I think is really important because it's so rampant in our culture, and our society right now, where, like, we'll sit at a table having lunch with somebody and both people are on their smartphones and they're kind of talking while they're talking to, like, 800 different people that they're connected to on their phone. Can you imagine, like, having a lunch date with somebody and they're like, cool, like, if they physically brought all the people that they were connecting with to your lunch date, you'd be like... Cool. So we're all going to do this thing, but they're having like they're also having eight different conversations, include and then nine, including yours. You would be so it would be so rude if physically you could see it, right? But it's kind of invisible. So we we're like multitasking. When you're not that good at multitasking, nobody is, and so you're never really connecting. And so this is just an interesting quote I found as I was reading studies on what. Smartphones are doing to our brains in, in reference to isolation and making people feel actually lonely it says um, Psychologists see a pattern in the success driven culture of busyness and the associated Connection disconnection. Can I just say we wrote down that point and then I read this and I was like, oh Thanks, God of an increasingly so associated connection disconnection of an increasingly digitally remote world And it's triggering what they say is rapidly becoming a dire epidemic of loneliness. In the elderly, this epidemic of loneliness is known as the hidden killer. People think they're connecting, but they're not really connecting. And a Harvard study said that studies are beginning to show links between smartphone usage and increased levels of anxiety and depression, poor sleep quality, and increased risk of car injury or death. you know, it's like we talk about the idea of being connected, but not really connecting. And we all know about what, how smartphones can make you not really there when you're there. But here's some studies that are just starting to lead. And it'll be interesting to see over the next decade what they really reveal. We have to just be aware. I'm not saying they're like evil. I'm just saying be smart. Yeah. Nobody picks up a hammer without any idea of what to do with it. Nobody starts to use a chainsaw and then starts to read the directions after the tree is falling. You know what I'm saying? Like, just be smart. It's a tool. Learn how to use it. Don't just dive in and become mindlessly engulfed and drowning in something that you don't know what it could do to your mind or to your relationships, right? Okay, great.
0: (laughs) I like the chainsaw analogy. That's a good one. (laughs) Um but is it is it okay if we talk about this? Because I think it's important, you know, God's intended us to live our lives relationally and that means being truly connected to people in relationships, not some counterfeit version of of a connection. God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for your family, he doesn't want that between you and your kids. He doesn't want that between you and the people that that God's called you to be around. So I just we'll just quite Interested in this, and we really wanted to sort of just say this from a practical standpoint. But can we just be okay as a community of believers when it comes to this device ridden world that we live in? Can we just be okay to create device less environments in our world and just, just be okay with that? One of, um, one of the a great family that we have in our world, and she's you know just an amazing mom. And one thing she does whenever all the kids come over, kids and grandkids, is she leaves a bowl at the front door, and um, the bowl is there for the first five minutes as everyone comes in. Everyone has to drop their devices in that bowl before, before dinner with the whole family. And the cool thing is she goes and gets the bowl and goes and hides it. <laughs>
1: hey.
0: So maybe, hey, maybe that's some practical something practical you could uh, begin to do in your own world, but we just got to get okay with saying, I don't need this device. I don't need this right now. If I'm going to properly connect then I just need to leave it. Um, I've started doing things in my own life where, um, you know, because, I, because I, I really take this seriously is when we go down to the beach with the kids or, we're with, we, you know, we're on Sabbath, we Sabbath Friday night and all through Saturday. If we're going to go down to the beach, I will leave my phone at home and I, will just, I just don't need it. Um, and it's important to do that. We've noticed this in our own journey, in our own marriage. There was a time a few years ago where we just had to stop and we talked about it. I was noticing that our time together at night on the couch, we would put a show on.
1: I was noticing too.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be very honest. She noticed and then we, and then we addressed the issue. <laughs> that applause was for my honesty.
1: You're so honest.
0: And transparency. We found ourselves watching a show at night, which we love to do. That's kind of our thing. We like to just have our downtime on the couch and watch a show together and probably a lot of people do that. But it was quickly becoming much more than just that, both with our phones and me at the time was working two full-time jobs essentially at church and also had my corporate career I was still doing at that point. And I'd find myself with my phone And then also, with a show on, also having an iPad or a work computer open, and I'm trying to apparently have time with Jill, and we're trying to have time together, and we just took inventory of that moment and just said, "This this is ridiculous, we can't do this. If we're actually spending time together, this is not spending time together. We're having a disconnected form of connection, and it's just not working in our world. It's not working for us, we need to make a change. But we've got to be the type of people, because this is what God's saying to us through this, through this message. He's saying is we've got to be the type of people that understand this is creating isolation. It's creating disconnect, disconnectedness in our world. And what are we going to do about it? We've got to be the type of people, I believe, that rise, rise up and say, no, enough's enough. God wants me to connect. He wants me to be in relationship. So that's a relationship killer. Do you want to do the builder? So if that's a relationship killer, then this is the relationship builder. Connection. So if disconnected connection is the killer, then obviously the answer for that, the builder, is connection. Just want to read from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 in the New King James. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So give consideration to the people in your world to stir them up in love and good works, not forsaking the assembling." Of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but ex- exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I love that in this translation it actually says assembling. You know, if you think about that, that's the connection point. That's the coming together. That's the actual, the the, the live part of doing life together is assembling. And if you if you go back to Philippians chapter two, it says, "Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count." others more significant than yourselves. And don't look to your own interests, not just your own interests, but the interests of others, which really says this. It says, I'm taking an interest in you. Mm. If that's the connection, if, if, if connection is the answer, what, what am I doing? I'm saying, I'm going to put this device down. I'm going to put my world on hold for a minute. And I'm saying to you, I'm interested in you. Mm. I'm taking an interest in you. And this is what sometimes we do, is we allow the overall thought behind everything to, to rule. And we say, of course, I'm, of course, I'm interested in you. If there's an issue and someone says, why aren't you connecting with you? We say, say, oh, of course, I'm connecting with you. I love you. Like, oh, of course, you know I'm interested in you. But we actually have to do it. We actually have to be interested. We actually have to connect. And I think it's so important. So that's the builder is if disconnected connection is creeping into your world, the answer is to be intentional about connecting.
1: And I would just say, too, like, if you go back to when we were talking about walls being a way that we can be actually not connecting, um, and we can be there but not really be there and offering any kind of connection to somebody else that's real and that's authentic, I I feel like God is just asking us to risk again. You know, some of you, and, and be wise, right? The Bible says not to put pearls before swine. So don't go offering and we're to guard our hearts because it's the wellspring of life. But there are situations where we are in, especially in a marriage, a covenant relationship, when you're like, you've just gone so callous that God is like, no, no, you need to risk again. You need to lose that, the, the callouses and the things that make you rough on the outside to the person that's trying to connect with you and risk again and go to the deeper level and not be afraid to do that, right? Like the, that's important. It's going gonna, gonna to cost something. To, to have a deeper relationship. But use wisdom in it and guard your heart in it. And then I think on the other side of it, when we're talking about smartphones and the way that we connect on the internet and all of that and Instagram, Facebook, whatever, I love how it says in Philippians 2, don't do it from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So think about how you can use that tool practically to encourage somebody. Don't post something because you're feeling insecure and you need somebody to give you security through it. That's going to steal your life. If you're feeling insecure, use it as a weapon. Go online, and if you need to be on there, go find somebody that you can encourage, that you're like, you know what, I feel like God has just pointed somebody out in my mind that they're struggling with the same thing that I am, so I'm going to get on there and I'm going to encourage. I'm not going to get on there and fish for the world to give me what God can only give me. I'm just going to get on there and I'm going to use what he put in me to encourage them. (laughs) So That's just practical. It's really easy, hey to jump on your like Instagram when you're feeling down and like get an insta, insta high from like somebody else telling you you're awesome. There's so actually a lot of studies on that I'd recommend going and reading. There's a few amazing Harvard studies on the chemi- how your brain releases the chemical dopamine whenever you're in that like seeking and finding phase of Instagram. It's why you end up on there for hours at a time, and God didn't make us to live that way. so
0: No, that's right. He made us to live content with the people that he's put in our world Mm. and our contentment needs to come from that person um, that we're trying to connect with. So that was awesome. So number two, relationship killer is first was disconnected connection. The second is this, division. If you want to think about, we want to talk about something that really kills relationships or really isn't helpful when it comes to, relationships, when you think about your future, it's division. Division is an absolute killer when it comes to relationships, has the power to take relationships away from their God-given purpose and steer them in a direction that God didn't intend. And division has, has the power, has the ability to do that, but we are given the power to rule over that and ensure that doesn't take place. We see that in the New Testament church. There's, a, there's an, actually an instance between two giants of the New Testament church And it's Paul and Barnabas. It's in Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. It says this. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take them, take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had gone with them to gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the, of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. It's kind of amazing. They were divided on an issue. They were divided on one issue to the extent, to the, to the point where there, there was a sharp disagreement between them. See that's the thing. That's the thing that division can do, can cause people to go their separate ways. It can cause people to completely shut down. Um... (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) I lost my I lost my thought. Where was I going with that? Can cause people to shut down. Yeah, that's what that's what division can do. (laughs) What she said. (laughs) So hey, if that's if that's the killer. If division is the killer, then what is the builder? And this is the last point, the builder is unity. If you think about it, division is the killer, the builder is unity.
1: Um, Yeah, it's not easy to find yourself divided um, because we're all different people. And I think something that God has for his church right now in our culture is, can you love each other when you don't agree on everything? Why would you why would you think that you're going to agree with somebody on everything just because you're both believers in the way? You're kidding yourself. And we get so hung up on whether we're right or they're they're right or I'm wrong or they're wrong or whatever that we find ourselves divided. I'm not talking about if you go to this church or I go to that church. I'm talking about do you genuinely love with the kind of love that you are called to have for one another as believers? Even when you don't agree, can you sit next to somebody and love them beyond what they believe or you believe? You are not their Holy Spirit and they are not yours. So your job is to love God and love people. Those are the greatest commandments that we've been given. So unity, it's not optional. And unity is not surface level. True unity goes deep. And again, it costs you something. It costs you your pride. It costs you your tongue. And it means taking down walls, and it means actually connecting with somebody. Imagine if we could have hard conversations and go, you know what? Like, agree to disagree. I love you, and and we're family. That's what we're supposed to live like. That's the kind of love we're called to have for one another. And this is what it says in Philippians Two, one through four in the message version it says if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you have, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. What can you agree on? If you're not going to agree on everything, what can you agree on? Don't focus on that one thing. Focus what you can agree on. We're called to agree. Agree with each other. What are you going to agree on with the person in your life that you can't seem to agree on anything with? There's something. Is Jesus the way? Yes, you have an agreement. Yeah. There's always something. You can find common ground. And what the enemy wants is for you to be so distracted by all of the little things that you never can agree on the one thing. He is the only thing that you need to worry about agreeing on because if you can put him at the, at the forefront, then that changes everything that comes underneath it.
0: It's awesome. I think if you're facing any kind of conflict, you know, because sometimes that comes our way. Let's be honest, today we're we live in a world where there's conflict, there's fractured relationship, people are going through all kinds of things, people have got situations that they've come out of. And maybe in the future you might face situations that could potentially cause division. But unity is so powerful. It's so powerful. Even Jesus talked about the power of unity. He talked about agreement. In uh, Matthew 18, let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. It's the power of agreement. It's the power of unity, of coming together. I wonder if you're facing right now a situation that where there is fractured relationship, where there is some kind of impasse you can't move beyond. I wonder if you could come together on a common goal. I wonder if you'd be able to say, no, this is what we do agree on. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to work through this issue. We're struggling in this area. This is an issue we might have, but you know, we can come together on this thing. We can find common ground over here. Can I just encourage you if we're talking about relationships right now, and Jill and I are up here trying to, um, you know, deposit something in you from God's word? It's unity. If you can come together on unity, that is just an amazing mechanism to move forward. Unity is so powerful. What happens when we have unity? Well, we get perspective. That's one thing that happens. Immediately when we have unity, we get perspective. Um, something else about unity, which is so powerful, it brings awareness. It brings awareness. If you're coming together and you say, no, remember what our common goal is. It brings awareness. Oh, all of a sudden, I'm reminded, I'm aware of what we're actually trying to accomplish here together. In a marriage that is so powerful, in a relationship it is so powerful, it brings awareness, perspective and it can also just bring so much blessing. God Himself said in His Word, He said, where there's unity, I command a blessing. Blessing comes with unity. The power of God descends on unity. I think it's so powerful in relationships. If you think about the future, what's the way to get there? Be unified in your approach. Be unified when it comes to the common goal. So where there's division, let's be the type of people who strive for unity. Amen. Where there's disconnection, let's be the type of people who strive for connection. You received that word this morning. Team, you can come and join me. We're going to pray. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you